Tonight we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our sins. And when we do that, it, it, it changes us, it, it inspires us, it challenges us. And we want to be able to serve our Savior because of what he did for us. Now, our service does not repay him for his goodness to us. It's just a way for us to say thank you. It's only right, it's only good, it's only holy that we would respond in worship and praise and service and love for what he did for us. So I want to share just a couple of uh, testimonies tonight. One is by way of a card. You just never know what people are going through in their life. And when they come through those doors, they're seeking God. They're seeking help. Uh, we don't know what they've been through. And what God tells us to do is he tells us to love each other because that's the witness of Christ to them. And so when people come in and they say, oh, what a, what a beautiful building. What do I say? I say, wait till you meet the people because the real beauty of God is in his people. And so as we share love and concern and care and forgiveness, as we get along, as we love each other, people see that. And so there's been someone who uh, they have... Uh, uh, the teenagers have come through the bus ministry uh, for a couple of years, and then because of that, uh, the mom started coming. And I, I'm not going to read her name to you tonight, uh, but she addressed this to, to the pastors, uh, but really it's to all of us. Because of, of your generosity and your giving, uh, she was impacted, and she uh, shared this with me a couple weeks ago with tears. She gave it to me, and, and I just want to read it to you. So it's to the pastors, really to all of Valley Forge Baptist Church family. Thank you doesn't seem to be enough to express my sincere gratitude for the very generous Christmas gift and the wonderful Thanksgiving meal. I have been deeply hurt by a number of churches, but I have felt nothing but love from the moment I stepped into VFBT. Every week I am asked about my health or my job search. And I truly believe you all genuinely care about me and my family. This has been a very difficult and dark year for me, and finding this church has helped bring me to a brighter place. Your love for the Lord is radiating throughout. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you have done for me and my family. You have made me feel truly worth something in a time where I felt truly worthless. Uh, may God bless you and all your families. Love, and then she signed her name. So church family, you're making a difference. God's using you to touch other people, and sometimes you don't even know you're doing it, but you are. Several years ago, uh, God brought Dr. Vino Daniel to us. I'm going to ask him to come at this time. Uh, Dr. Daniel, is, uh, he is a heart doctor, uh, and he has had an open door as an evangelist. So he's really an evangelist and he just does a heart doctor to pay some bills. But God has opened up doors all across the country and there are several of us that he uh, will write and, and ask prayer as he opens the word of God. It might be a Sunday service, it might be a revival meeting, it might be a youth meeting, it might be a conference uh, in the Mar Toma churches. And so Dr. Daniel, come. He takes what he receives and then he takes it and shares it with others. So if you'll come at this time and tell us 
tell, us, tell us what you do for work, and then go ahead and share whatever God has put in your heart. But we appreciate serving with you for several years now. You're a blessing. When we had the Asian conference, he came out. It was a blessing to those uh, pastors from around the world. So thank you. We love you. And share what God has put in your heart tonight. Good evening. Praise the Lord. Greetings to each one of you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is such a special blessing to me to worship and to be a part of the blessed VFPT community the first Sunday of the new decade, the first Sunday of the new year. Sometimes when you are full of thanks, when you understand the grace of God, you don't have anything to say. I'm in such a moment in my life. How can I ever thank this wonderful church, my blessed pastor, and each one of you for the great love I get from this church? I still remember the first day I ever came to this church. It was 10 years before. I was looking for a church. I passed across many churches, but I never felt like walking into a church. But I came to this church. I had no clue what was going on here. Come with me 10 years back. I just walked inside. No security checkup, thank God. <laughs> and I was looking, what should I do next? If my understanding is correct, the second worship has already started. Little bit wondering, what should I do next? Suddenly, God sent a messenger to me. His name was Brother Roger. He came and he greeted me. He felt that I'm a part of this church. And that was my humble beginning with this church. Ever since that day, you have no idea how much this church has helped me in my Christian walk. This church is my seminary. This church is my Bible school. This church is, is my school. This church is everything to me. I will never ever miss a Sunday or an ABF Bible class or a Wednesday if I am alive. I'm not able to attend all the ABFs at the same time. <laughs> because believe me, I want to say a testimony before I close my short time allotted. The kind of food, spiritual food we get from this church, you won't get that from many churches in 2020. The one thing VFBT is based on the living word of God. We will never ever compromise the word of God. Amen. You all are much experienced than me. People have diluted, people have dialogued, People are thinking how we can cut short the living word of God, not at VFBT. We are based on the word of God, and the living word of God will take care of us. This is a living book. This contains the DNA of God, and if you can trust and believe, he will take care of you. Amen. How we will face 2020? You ask me many questions, I have no idea, but I know who holds my future. Amen. That's all I need to do. I'll go and sleep. Let me finish my small testimony. I think two more minutes are for me, Pastor. You know, very aware about the time limits. I'm looking for a clock. I'll recommend to keep a clock somewhere next time. Is there a clock? Yes, yes, okay. So, 
so thank God I should be more, a little bit careful. Okay. Once a man was walking through his city, he came upon a construction site. Curious about what was going on, he asked to the first worker laying bricks what he was doing. In a bored and slightly irritated tone, he said, I am building a wall. Can't you see that? The man again started walking. And he met another bricklayer. And he asked the same question. And he said, oh, I am building a church in a very relaxed tone. The man again continued to walk. And he met a third person. He asked him the same question, what he was building. And he said with joy and conviction, I am building a house of God and I am blessed. Let me invite your attention to this scenario. Same question, same job, three different perspectives. This was my life story. First was a job. Second was a vocation. Third was a calling. My life was just a job as a Christian. By his grace, I was born and brought up in a Christian family. My grandfathers, grandfathers, all were Christians. But I never understood who was Jesus to me, Pastor. And then suddenly something happened. While studying in the medical school, I met with a severe accident. With all the class of the art facility surgeons around me, they said I won't make it. But medical science said I am over. If I am standing here, let me be humble. In front of the man of God and in front of each one of you, it is just the miracle working power of God. I had leaf four type two injury, list frank anterior open bite, CS of rhinuria. I won't have never made it. If I am standing here, it is just the grace and mercy of God, my Amen. pastor. With all the medical knowledge, they said, we are so sorry for this young man. You make arrangements for the funeral. But God's grace that I should stand here today that I am alive. Amen. Why I consider this church as a caring church? Let me close with that. This is not a thing which we are saying for the sake of saying. First of all, this church is based on the solid word of God. Be very proud that you are a part of a community who will never ever compromise the word of God. We are not for entertainment and emotion. We always will encourage, but word of God will not be compromised. Be very happy about that. The second thing why this church is a caring church, I know each one of you smile at me. Each one of you will come and talk to me. And the wonderful help I get from the main pastor and each one of you, I have no words to thank you. This pastor and sister Jody will email me back. They will, not only this pastor, each one of you. And you will say, I'm praying for you, brother. You have no idea when I'm lonely traveling from my workplace, one letter can make such a big difference in a little life of mine. 
and each of you brother and sister you will come and talk to me and this is one of the churches who has a library attached to a church not many churches don't have that walk in get some good books read and get blessed another plus point of this church i want to really say that this is a church who gives importance for mission we have mega churches i'm not disrespectful we have church big churches with million dollars how many churches can really say that we send missionaries how many church can say that we have annual mission conferences how many church will say we are encouraging the missionary families we are building up the mission work we send our team for mission work that is vfpt and when finally the books are open when the king will look at us only one question we will ever face how many souls you earned for me brother sister that's the only business left that is the overarching statement you might be a tech you might be a teacher you might be retired you might be a, anything but the fundamental responsibility is to earn souls that's what we do in vfbt and again let me thank all the wonderful support i get from this church my main pastor scott wendel sister jody wendel pastor ifa pastor elster pastor joiner pastor colton and the beautiful bible teachers rick snyder my brother in christ yes the wonderful choir leader all others frank lempo brother joe brother ranty brother chris brother roger if any names i miss you have no idea how much you are a blessing to me and let me close with this i know i'll have one question from jesus when i say goodbye to this world or he comes this is the question we know daniel did you do everything possibly you can do to protect kingdom values did you do everything to serve the king and i can say vfbt you are helping me to do that i'm starting this year's journey from vfbt pray for me we have lot to do god bless you 2020 know that we live not based on our feelings we live based on our relationship with christ and as we celebrate the table it's a recon he came he died he rose up is coming back and is with us because the word of god said so thank you amen amen heart you glad where you're in a church with an evangelist like that now, i know he's a doctor and he deals with the heart but the bigger issue is the spiritual heart preaching several dozen times a year in a couple of dozen different places all across the country open doors pray for open hearts pray for safety and health and god's power as dr daniel shares the word of god with others literally speaking to several thousand people a year thank you for blessing our hearts tonight such a wonderful way let's open our bibles tonight to luke chapter 22 this evening luke 22 
If I had a title to be able to give this, it would be Let It Be Real. Let It Be Real. Please stand with me as I look in Luke chapter 22. We're going to pick up the account of the Last Supper. Luke chapter 22 and verse 13. And when they, and they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it, and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. May we pray. Our Father, tonight I ask for the Spirit of God to do a cleansing, an affirming, and an empowering work in our hearts. I pray tonight that as we partake of your table, the bread, the juice, the Lord's Supper, this communion, that we will do what you've instructed us to do, to remember. And as we remember your sacrifice, may we be changed into the likeness of Christ. If there be one here tonight and they're not sure that heaven's their home, may they see Jesus and Jesus only and trust him to be born again into your family. Now, Father, draw each one of us to that night of that first Lord's Supper, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. For the disciples, the night described here in Luke chapter 22 is going to become uh, the most emotional night of their life. They're never going to forget it. Even though Jesus has taught them several times of his coming death and resurrection, they, they just missed it. They dismissed it. But tonight, he makes it real for them. What if I told you tonight that we're going to take turns and to come up one at a time to the Podium, and to, with absolute honesty, tell the three worst things that you have done in your life. You know, it would be a fun service until it got to your turn, wouldn't it? <laughs> You'd be saying, wow, are you, are you kidding? How many would be heading for the door? How many would be thinking of, 
Well, what could I say that wouldn't really be true? People would be saying different things, and you'd be saying, no way, I didn't know you did that. I mean, just the sheer horror of trying to think of the worst things that we have done in the sight of God and then to confess it. And the Bible asks, what are you going to do about those things? What are you going to do about those sins? How are you going to make up for them? How are you going to atone for them? Now, atone means to, to cover it. Well, do you know what the majority of the world says? Well, I know, I know. I, I, I've done some bad things, but I've made up for it. I've made up for it, right? Isn't that what they say? Well, how do you make up for it? Well, I, I, started, I started going to church. I started uh, giving money to charities. I even drop a couple of bucks in the Salvation Army bucket every December. I try and do good things to people that need it. I try and help people. I do volunteer work. And you know, at the end of my life, I think God, though he knows about all the bad things I've done, he's going to look at all the good things I've done, and that's going to make up for it. I've covered it over by doing some good things. And you know that might make you feel better about yourself, but the Bible says that there's no way that your good deeds can wash away your sin. The only thing that atones for sin in God's sight is blood. It's blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. You say, well, why would that be? Well, the Bible says that the life, is in, uh, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and the wages of sin is death. And so since there's sin, there's death. And so God has ordained through the blood for the cleansing. So you can do some good things. You can try and feel better about yourself, but there's coming a day when you'll stand before God and you'll not be able to say, hey God, I, I know I did some bad things, but look at the good things I did at the end of my life. God will say, no, I, I made it very clear. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no, what? Remission of sin. God hates sin so much that the slaughter of thousands of, of those lambs and sheep every Passover reminded them of the horror of sin. All, the, all of those animal sacrifices, they were object lessons to point people to the Lamb of God that would one day come and die for everyone's sin. History tells us that there were so many lambs that were slain that the blood in Jerusalem uh, just dribbled out of that temple and the spring Gihon was red for a couple of weeks. You know, there's even a Bible verse when John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming for his baptism, that's exactly what he said. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now look with me at Luke twenty-two fifteen. They're eating the Passover meal. 
with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's a Hebrew idiom. With great desire, I have been so looking forward to this meal with you, my 12 disciples, before I suffer. What if you knew that tomorrow you were going to die? That at midnight tonight, you were going to be arrested and you would be executed tomorrow morning. And then you're told, you're told that you can have one last dinner with one, any group of people that you choose. Who would you pick? Just think it through right now. You're going to be arrested at midnight. You're going to die in the morning. But you're being granted one final meal, one last supper on this earth. Who would you like to share it with? Would it be your family? Would it be your closest friends? And you gather them together, and you eat, and then you say to them, this is it. I just want to tell you how much I love you. I want to tell you how much I care for you. I want to tell you how much you mean to me. You've got to understand that, that life is all about Jesus. Life is all about eternity. My life is now going to be over, but you've got to get this. You get to live on. Don't waste your life. Don't live your life apart from God. Make him number one in your life. Now, I want to ask you how, how meaningful and how, how beautiful, how emotional that would be. That's what's happening here. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's just spent three and a half years with these 12 men, 24-7. They have become family. Jesus said, I've been so looking forward to this one last meal with you guys. I want you to always remember this. I want you to always remember me. And then this is what he did. Uh, he, took, he took some bread from off of that Passover table, and he broke it. And this is what he says. He says, this represents my body. It is going to be broken for you. Can you try and imagine how the disciples felt the first time they celebrated the Lord's table after his ascension in Acts 2.42? The first time, the first Lord's Supper without Jesus. Imagine how intense and how intimate what would have come to their minds? Well, I know what would have come to Peter's mind because Peter followed afar off and Peter actually saw the soldiers hitting Jesus, beating his body. And when he would have taken that bread for the first time, and he's probably the one who led that service, those images came to his mind of Jesus being beaten by the soldiers. Broken body. Jesus then took the juice and he said, this is my blood that is shed for you. And I'm sure John, John who was at the foot of the cross, John with his arm around Mary comforting her. John saw the nails in Jesus' hands. John saw the nail in Jesus' feet. John saw the blood-stained body of our Lord. John saw the blood dripping to the ground. And when they took that cup for the first time, John 
couldn't help but go back 50 days earlier to the cross. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? Because he knew that they and we were going to forget. He knew that we're going to become so busy with our lives that we could go a, a whole day, a whole week, a whole month and not think about what he did for us. And so he says, I want to give you something tangible. I want you to be able to hold it in your hand and every time you break this bread and every time you drink this juice, you are going to remember me. You're going to remember my love. You're going to remember what I did for you. And so we approach the Lord's table. We are reminded that he atoned for our sins. All of our sins are forgiven. More than covered, they are washed away. And we sang about that tonight, didn't we? Jesus wants us to remember him, to remember that sacrifice, that it is the most important thing that's ever happened on this earth. To remember that is also to remember that he is coming again. To remember that he is coming again is to remind us that we're going to give an account for our words and our actions and our motives and our service. And so tonight we say, oh God, I will never forget this great sacrifice that Jesus made for me so I can be forgiven, so I can know you, so I can love you and serve you, so I can go to heaven. There's one more thing I want you to see. I want you to know that while Jesus is pouring out his heart to these 12 men, Judas is there. Judas has just met with some leaders. And he said to them, I know how to betray him. I know how to catch him. You can't do it with all the crowds around. You need to do it at night. I know where he goes at night. They said to Judas, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. Judas says, that's a good deal. I'll take the money. And so Judas sneaks back in with the disciples after he has made the plan of betrayal and he pretends nothing is going on. And Jesus starts off the night, how? By washing their feet. I want you to imagine the scene. Do you think Jesus washed Judas's feet that night? Oh, he did. He did. He removes his sandals. Can you picture Jesus on his knees washing Judas's feet? And Judas says, thank you, Lord. And Jesus knows he is the betrayer. They sit at the table Look with me at verse 21. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Think about that moment. Sitting at the table, that dinner with, with your most closest friends, Remember, if it was you, the last meal 
before your arrest and execution, and you were to say, someone betrayed me, and he is sitting with us right now. Your family and friends look around and say, well, that's impossible. That's impossible. This is family. This is, it's us. It's the disciples. And they had no clue who it was. Isn't it just sick? I mean, sick that Judas would betray Jesus and then sneak back in to the church and be a part of such an intimate dinner? It really is so awful. It is so wicked. This is what happened in 1 Corinthians 11. God said there are some of you who have dishonored the Lord's table. You've dishonored the Lord's table with your attitude. You've dishonored the Lord's table with your actions. You've dishonored me. And then God says, for this reason, I have spanked the church family of Corinth. Some of you are sick. Some of you are, have been taken to heaven early. And that is a fear that is a fear that I would have every time we partake of the Lord's table. That, that one amongst us would live a life of sin all week long. Live a life away from God. You would do things that God hates. And then you come tonight and like Judas or like the Corinthians, you slip in and you pretend that everything's okay. It's all right. You know who you are. You've already got plans to sin in the coming week. You're not living for God. That would be acting like Judas. That would be acting like some of those Corinthians. And then Jesus makes this interesting statement to Judas in the book of John. He says, hey, Judas, what you need to do, just what? Do it. Do it quickly. Just go and get it done. I already know it's you. Some of you may have plans. You may already have plans to do some kind of sin this week. And Jesus is saying, stop pretending that you love me. Get right or get out. Now, no one in the right mind says, I want to be Judas. No one says that. But there is another way. And that's what God says to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-one. 31, he says, if we judge ourselves, we should not be what? If we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And in just a few moments... Our deacons will come and serve your bread. And it's a time for us to pray and talk to God. And it's a time for us to judge ourselves. It's a time for us to say, God, search my heart. Cleanse me from my sin. And it, it seems as we grow spiritually, the, the more we know God, the more we are aware of our sinfulness. If you, have, if you have something, maybe a, an item of clothing, and there's a spot on it, it's in the closet, and you can't 
really see how deep the spot or the stain is, but you, then you take it out and you go over to the light. The closer you get to the light, the more obvious the stain is, isn't it? And so tonight, God wants us to bring our souls to the light. And when you see it, you do something about it. God, cleanse me. Forgive me. Restore the fellowship that I once had with you. And so tonight, as we pass the elements, you can confess your sin. There's no booth here, all right? There's no booth. There, there's no pastor or priest for you to come and confess your sins to. There's one mediator. We go right to God. You take it right to God. God will never convict you twice of a sin you've confessed once. So if you've already confessed it, it's gone. But if you haven't confessed it, this is the night. This is the time. Let it be real. Don't be a Judas. You know, no one names their kids Judas. Jeremy and Katie, they gave a lot of thought over what the name of their son should be. And they were so perplexed over it, Katie, our daughter-in-law there in Guam, put out an email. Hey, anybody have any suggestions what we should name our son? Uh, 67 responses came back. All 67 chose their own name, recommending to <laughs> Jeremy and Katie. They settled on Caleb Daniel just three hours before he was born. They had a long list and they had a short list, but Judas was never on their list. Mamas and dads, when you had a son, Judas was never on the list. Your parents and your grandparents, Judas was never on the list. Why? Well, nobody wants to be a Judas, and nobody is a Judas on purpose. It just happens. It happens because we love sin. It happens because we love our sin. But God hates it. Don't you want to be the real deal? Not a fake, not a phony, not a Judas. And so tonight, let's remember, Jesus sacrificed for me. Jesus forgave my sin. And when you hold that bread and that juice, he says, remember me. Remember me. May we pray. Father, thank you for the word of God and what it means to us. It tells us about the Son of God and what he has done for us. And I pray tonight as we partake of your table that there will be no Judases in this auditorium tonight, that we will not be like the Corinthians, but we will confess our sin. We will receive a fresh cleansing. We'll remember and our, our hearts will be filled with gratitude and praise to our Savior who died for us and rose again. Father, if there be one that is trusting in their own works to get them to heaven, their own works to wash away their sin, may tonight be the night they turn from that and turn to Jesus and Jesus alone. I ask in his name.
Amen. 2020. Please open your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 16 this morning. Every day, every day we make dozens of choices, and many are insignificant, but some are extremely significant and impact us both now and for eternity. And you get to choose what 2020 is going to look like for you. Uh, you can be a different person, different spouse, different teenager, different single, different church member because of the choices and decisions you make even in the next 35 minutes. Would you please stand with me? I'd like to read to you what Jesus said about becoming one of his followers. Matthew chapter 16. Look with me at verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man, if any woman, will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man, every woman, every teen according to to his works. Yes, there is coming a day when Jesus Christ will return and he will reward each one of us according to the works that we have done. May we pray. Father, you know I have yet one single prayer this morning that everyone here would become a genuine and true follower of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. Please be seated. No one has been more honest about life and death than Jesus Christ. He asked hard questions like, why do you call me Lord and do not do the things that I say? Why would you call someone your master and then not listen to him? He then explains very clearly what it will be like to follow him. He says, if you follow me, some people will hate you. And not only that, if you follow me, some of your own family members might be against you. If you follow me, you may end up getting crucified like me. It can be hard for us to be as honest as Jesus. We try and talk people into following Jesus by saying things like, hey, if you follow Jesus, you can be forgiven and go to heaven. And that's true, but we neglect this other part. But Jesus was upfront with people. He said, there's a wide, easy road that most people take. But over here is a narrow road that leads to eternal life. Very few people will find it. And sometimes it is a hard path, a rocky path, a steep path. But then he says, I'm worth it. I'm so worth it. Some ask, why should I follow this Jesus? It is such a privilege and honor that we get to follow the Creator. But all the benefits are out of this world. Jesus said, when you follow me, I will give you peace and power, and I will walk with you. You will be blessed now, and you will be rewarded forever. Come, follow Christ. Ushers are coming forward with our theme booklet. Church family, I invite you 
I invite you to join me to follow Christ in 2020. It will take some commitment. It'll take sacrifice. It'll take effort. It will take faith. And yes, it's going to take some courage. I'm going to tell you today, it's going to be worth it. Oh, it will be so worth it if you choose to follow Jesus Christ in the year 2020. So here Jesus made one of the greatest statements about those who choose to follow him. So let me, let me just set the scene for you uh, for just a moment here. Uh, this is the end of the great Galilean ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has just fed 5,000 men and women and children were in addition. There's no doubt in the disciples' mind that this man Jesus was more than a man. I mean, he keeps exercising God-like power right before their eyes. And so Jesus, they saw him raise the dead. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him create food. They saw him walk on water. They even saw him one day calm a raging storm with just his words. But his words and works did not convince the religious leaders. After rebuking them at the beginning of the chapter, he takes his 12 disciples 25 miles north to Caesarea Philippi. At the foot of Mount Hermon, a pagan and immoral city that worshiped the false god Pan, Jesus asked, he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Let me show you where this happened. It happened up there, uh, Benias, uh, Benias Falls. Here is a cave. It's a rather large cave. And this cave is supposedly the gate to the underworld. It is the gate to the spirit world. These pagan people believed that this was the gate of Hades, also called the gates of hell. Let me show you what it looked like back when Jesus Christ took his 12 disciples there. They had these pagan temples, and it was a, an immoral, it was a wicked place of sacrifice and false worship. And it was here, it was here that Peter made that great confession. This is what he said. He said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. Uh, this is where Jesus said, I will build my church. Now look with me at verse 21. In verse 21, uh, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. He must suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, that he must be killed and be raised again the third day. Jesus turned his attention away from the crowds and begins to focus on his 12 disciples. He begins to pre prepare them to teach them that he's going to die, to teach them that he's going to rise again from the dead, to teach them that their mission is to reach the whole world, every human being. Amazingly enough, Peter responds to this new revelation that Jesus is going to die. Look what he says in verse 22. Peter took him began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. There's something wrong when in the same sentence you say, Lord, and no. <laughs> you don't do that. You don't say, Lord, and no. And so Peter rebukes Jesus, and he says, This is not going to happen on my watch. I will not let this happen to you. But then Jesus rebukes Peter in verse 23. He turned 
He said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. Uh, isn't Peter like most of us here today? I, I, mean, I mean, one minute we're speaking for God, uh, one minute we're, uh, we're building up what God is doing, and the next minute uh, Peter is tearing down what God is doing. Uh, how about you? Do you do that? Uh, one minute you speak for God, and then the next minute you speak for Satan. How do you like to have Jesus to look at you in the face and call you Satan? That's not good. That's not good at all. And so let's make sure that in 2020, we don't tear down uh, what God is building up. Verse 24, Then Jesus turned to those 12 men. He said to his disciples, and he made this great declaration of who can be one of his followers. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what kind of people those men were? Can you think of some of the occupations that those 12 disciples were? What did they do? Call it out. They were fishermen. What else? You got tax collector. You got ordinary men. And that's the kind of people that Jesus wants to follow him in 2020. Ordinary, broken, and messed up people, Jesus calls to follow him. And the moment you become saved, you begin a, a new journey of spiritual growth. And growth is simply evidence of life. If you're growing, then you're alive. You plant a seed, it grows. You have a small puppy, it turns into a big dog. Uh, you have a baby at home, and the child grows to a, uh, the baby grows to a child, a teen, and then an adult. Where there's life, there's growth. And God intends for us to grow up and to become spiritually mature, to become more like Christ every day. So let's understand spiritual growth. I have it there for you in your notes, some comments about that. Spiritual growth has nothing to do with God's love for you. God does not love you more if you're mature, and he does not love you less if you're immature and selfish. Jesus loved his disciples even when they were selfish and proud and doubting, John 13, 1. He loved them when they were faithful, and he also loved them just as much when they were arguing about who was the greatest among them. Notice also, spiritual growth has nothing to do with time. To the Corinthians, Paul said, I'm writing to you as spiritual babies because you are still so focused on what you want. You're proud, you're carnal, you're a spiritual baby. And sadly, it's a very common for Christians today to be saved for decades and yet still act as spiritual infants, dominated by jealousy, dominated by selfishness, dominated by worldliness, a spirit that is easily offended. Uh, spiritual growth is not related to knowledge. Many have a great deal of Bible knowledge, uh, yet tragically they remain at, at just low levels of maturity. You see, unless that knowledge molds your character, unless that knowledge changes your personality into Christ-likeness, you have done nothing but fill your mind with Bible facts. And that's a dangerous state to be in. Why? Why? When you receive a large amount of Bible truth, but you do not apply it to your life, and there's no change to your life, then you're deceiving yourself about the true state of your immaturity. And notice also, growth has nothing to do with activity. 
You see that on page two. It has nothing to do with activity. Busyness does not equal Christ-likeness. I mean from the busy young mom uh, to the active empty nester to the pastor of a megachurch. There are a lot of busy Christians, but they do not possess the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, lastly here, spiritual growth is not always displayed. It's not always displayed. What does that mean? You might have become spiritually mature one day, but then the next day you revert back to spiritual infancy. On any given day, you may be walking in the Spirit or you may be walking in the flesh. You know, the Bible is, is filled with men and women who loved God, who were obedient to God, who grew spiritually, who did great feats for God. And then they would lapse back and they'd commit a great sin. I want you to know uh, that when you're selfish, when you're spiritually immature, you, you're not growing spiritually. And so the Apostle John identifies three distinct stages of spiritual growth in God's family. Uh, you and I are all in one of these three categories. How long you are saved is not necessarily an indication if you are spiritually mature. And that's why I put a question mark beside the years. So here we go, the first stage, new followers of Christ. And this is typically someone saved uh, in the first five years of their Christian life. John writes, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven, are forgiven you for his namesake. Now he's not writing little kids, he's writing adults who have been saved for a short period of time and he labels these new believers little children. They're new believers who are thrilled to be in God's family. Now each stage has unique temptations and unique blessings. And so here are their temptations. If you're a new Christian, uh, the temptation is to become disappointed in other Christians. I didn't think that Christians acted that way. You know, I thought all Christians were perfect. Surprise! <laughs> all Christians are not perfect. Uh, there are no perfect churches. Here's the temptation. Hero worship of spiritual leaders. Uh, I expected more from my pastors. I expected more from the deacons. I expected uh, more from the teachers. Uh, here's the temptation. Expecting perfection from themselves. Oh, I'll never be a good enough Christian because I struggle with and you fill in the blank. I struggle with this habit. I struggle with this sin. I'll never be good enough. Here's the temptation. The temptation to return to the worldly lifestyle. Oh, I miss the old pleasures that I gave up. I miss the old pleasures that I gave up. Now, here are their blessings. A new Christian is thrilled that their sins are forgiven. A new Christian is, has overflowing gratitude for their new life in Christ. Uh, a new Christian has a great hunger to know God and to know His Word as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. I can't tell you how many times over the years people have said to me, I was raised in church, I was raised in religious school, and I learned more about the Bible in two to three months at Valley Forge Baptist than I have my entire life because they've gone from darkness to light from, and they hunger to know the word of God. Look on page three. Uh, strong followers is the next stage. Strong followers of Christ uh, saved possibly for a decade or two. Notice what John writes. I write unto you young men. First it was little children. 
Now it's young men because you have overcome the wicked one, Satan. Young, growing followers are known for holding to sound doctrine. Young, growing followers are known for being strong against sin. Young, growing followers are strong against error because they know the Word of God. The spiritual world is black and white to them. I mean, if you want to know what's right and wrong, you just ask a, a young, strong follower, they'll tell you, this is right, this is wrong. Uh, and uh, I mean, they know things that are right and wrong that nobody else knows, but they'll tell you. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I just feel it. I mean, they just have this feeling. <laughs> Everything's black and white. There's no grace. And, and this, they're strong. They're strong in the word of God. Now, here are their temptations. They experience conflict with other Christians. I can't believe they said that to me. I can't believe they said that to me. Uh, they are disappointed at their own failures and sins. I can't believe I did that. I know better. Uh, they are confused about the trials of life. Well, God loves me, but if God loves me, why does he let these bad things happen to me? Temptation. Now, here are their blessings. Here are their blessings. They are thrilled that their sins are forgiven. You see, you never get over that. You're thrilled that your sins are forgiven. Uh, they experience the blessings of obedience. Many of you have come to me over the years and you said, you know, we began following God in, in marriage and in family and we look at our unsaved family. We look at our unsaved relatives and over the years and decades, we see the consequences, uh, the heartache that they're going through because they disobey and they disregard the word of God. And I'm so thankful that God has given me his word and his truth and I experience the blessings of obedience. Here's a blessing. They rejoice that God is using them to influence others. What a joy to know that I had a part, a prayer, a gift, a witness in bringing people to Christ. Here's a blessing. They have victory over Satan because of their growth in God's word. I mean, if Satan brings along someone who says Jesus is not God, someone who says the Bible is filled with errors, someone who says everyone's going to heaven, you say, no, 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 that's not true. I know the word of God. I know the truth of what Jesus said and what God said. And, and you have the spirit of God and you have the word of God. You're strong you're strong in truth. No matter how good that phonic, demonic argument is, you're not buying it. You're staying with what God says. And so you got little children. Then you got these strong followers, young men. And now you have mature followers of Christ. Typically saved for a couple of decades or more. But not always. I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You see, mature followers have a deep knowledge of God that shows up with godly character, a godly character of love, of self-control, of peace, of joy, of a sacrificial service to God and to others. They put others first. They put the church family ahead of what they want. Now, here are their temptations. They experience conflict with other Christians. We've heard that. I can't believe they said that to me. Uh, they become too familiar or too distrustful of Christian leaders and friends. I, I don't know if I can trust anything they say. Now, I want you to see here. For the new believer, 
The temptation is to put spiritual leaders on a pedestal. But then for the older believer, the temptation is to ignore God's authority in their life. Here's the temptation. They sit, soak, and sour. I used to serve. I used to serve, but I need a break. Uh, I mean, oh, I, 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 I did my time. Like, like serving God is a prison sentence? I did my time. No, no, no. That's not how we look at serving God. It's a joy to serve God. It's a joy. And then what happens is, you know, we'll let those new people serve God. I did my time. I want a break. And then you become sour. You become negative. You become critical. And you miss. You miss the big things that God is doing. The big things that God is blessing and saving and people getting baptized and discipled and, and growing the church and a light to the community. They hear their blessings. You are thrilled that your sins are forgiven. You just never get over it. You never get over it. You're thrilled that your sins are forgiven. Here you join the hymn writers who are lost in wonder and love and praise. Look at the next page. Uh, you experience the presence of walking with God intimately. You don't just know the truth like the young men. You don't just know the truth. You love the God who wrote the truth. And there's a difference. It's great to know the truth. It's great to love the truth. But it's even greater to love the God who wrote the truth of his word for us. And then you enjoy the fellowship of decade-long Christian friendships. Many of you have experienced this, and many of you will in the future. Uh, to be able to, to grow in the Word of God, to grow in the fellowship of God, and what happens is, over the years, over the decades, all of a sudden, you become closer. You become closer with spiritual family than with unsaved family. They came to Jesus, and they said, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are here. And you know what he did? He said, look around. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Those who love God, those who do the will of my Father. And there's this, this, this wonderful bond of Christian fellowship over the decades. What a blessing that is. One more. You passionately share your faith at every opportunity. You begin to see everyone. You see everyone as on this broad road that leads to hell and destruction or the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And you think, how can God use me to bring people one step closer to Christ? You see, the key fruit of mature followers of Christ is, is passion, passion to share Christ with others. And if you are passionate about other things in your Christian life, then that then you only think you have spiritual maturity, but it has eluded you. When you truly follow Christ, your priorities become his priorities and not your own. Let me give you a, a picture of spiritual maturity at Valley Forge Baptist this week. Yesterday we had the men's prayer breakfast and and let me present to you Mel and Lisa Weiss. Mel was at the breakfast. I was talking to Mel, and Mel came to me and said, Pastor, he said, he said my neighbor, my neighbor is dying of stage four cancer. Uh, my neighbor, 
My neighbor's on hospice care. It doesn't have much time to live. I want to get one more witness to my neighbor. And so we talk together. We talk about a plan, and, and, and he's calling to be able to see if he can get an open door uh, to have Pastor Colton be able to come and pray with him and share the gospel. And then right then, before the, uh, the breakfast, we, we prayed together. That's a, that's a passion. It's a passion to share the gospel. That's Mel. Now, Lisa, uh, Lisa talked to Jody this week, and she said, she said, Jody, I'm, I'm so sorry. We won't be at Vision Sunday. We love it. It's one of our, our favorite Sundays of the year, but we won't be there because we're taking our laptop computer down to a hospital in Westchester uh, because Nora Zajac is there, and, and, and Nora had surgery, and she's recovering from surgery. She's a widow, and we're going to be there, and we're going we're gonna to watch the service live stream with Nora, one of our widows. We're going to give up the fellowship on Sunday. We're going to give up the ABF, but we're going to do this. Do you see? Do you see what it is? It's putting others before yourself. Spiritual, mature followers who follow Jesus Christ. Now, verse 24. If any man will come after me, you have to make up your mind. You have to resolve this is the choice for your life. It's a deliberate choice. It has to be your choice, not your parents, not your grandparents, not your spouse, not your friend's choice. Jesus says, these are the terms and the only terms to become my disciple. Now, now before we look at the requirements or these steps to become a true follower of Christ, I want you to know that to be successful in anything in life, it takes effort. We know that. And Jesus is going to refer to that. We've all heard the phrase, no pain, no gain, and how true it is. We learn early on to get a high school diploma, to get a college degree. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take sacrifice. To make that sports team, you have to practice. To earn that promotion or raise, it takes hard work. It takes overtime. To succeed at a new skill, to learn a new recipe, to meet a new goal, to achieve a New Year's resolution, you have to make up your mind, and you have to answer these questions. How bad do I really want this? Am I willing to make the sacrifice to achieve this goal? What will it take to stop me? In his article, do you have what it takes to become a professional athlete? Scott Henderson writes, athletic ability aside, the pros tell us exactly what you'll have to sacrifice if you want to make it to the top. And so what do professional athletes sacrifice? Well, he said they sacrifice sleep. Two-thirds of them are up and awake before 6 a.m. Half of them train on their birthday. Half more than half train on holidays like Christmas. Vacations. Sacrifice vacations. 91% train, train during a quarter of their vacation time. Romantic relationships, one-third sacrifice relationships for sports. Money, one-third say they have given up financial success for their sport. They're willing to give up these things because they've got a goal they're striving for. Two years ago, at the Super Bowl, it was fourth and one near the end of the second quarter with the Eagles and the Patriots. Nick Foles went to the sideline during the timeout. 
The announcer said, this may be the play that determines the outcome of this game. And Nick Foles asked the coach, do you want to do Philly? Coach Peterson, yeah, let's do it. Nick went back on the field and said, all right, here we go. Philly special, Philly special. And for those who are interested, watch. Fourth and goal. Like to see it again? Here we go. They've got all these signals. Shotgun, he would not have been eligible, but for the fact he was in the shotgun, not under center. And there's the old basketball player. They talk about Nick Foles. He's more like to see it again. Playing quarterback like a point guard, and here he is receiving the pass that is going to be shown a billion times. There's Mike Trapp. <laughs> That's a Philly special. Okay, so here, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Uh, when I was first married, Jody's from Canada. Uh, she's getting dinner ready, and, and uh, uh, I said, we're, we're just going to finish this half here. I said, there's only two minutes left. Well, 25 minutes later, she comes back. She says, what's going on here? I said, well, I, she said, what's that? That's called instant replay. You get to watch it again, and then you get to watch it again in slow motion. And, you know, two minutes is like 25 minutes. So what happened here, well, you saw, you know how long that play lasted? Four seconds. That play lasted four seconds. Do you know how long they practiced that play? They practiced that play for a month. Commitment plus sacrifice equals reward. They say it's one of the, one of the gutsiest Super Bowl plays ever called. Nick Foles is the only man in Super Bowl history both to throw a touchdown pass and to catch a touchdown pass. Commitment plus sacrifice equals reward. If you want to read through your Bible in 2020, you're going to have to say no to some TV and yes to reading your Bible 15 minutes a day. If you want to lose weight in 2020, you need to say no to some certain foods and say yes to others. If you want to get that good grade, if you want to bring up your high school or your college GPA, you need to say no to some social media and say yes to the books. If you want to say, restore a broken relationship, you need to say no to resentment, no to unforgiveness, and say yes to forgiveness. We have all kinds of examples of athletes giving their all. Same game. Zach Ertz. Do you think it's going to hurt <laughs> one second after this picture? Do you think it's going to hurt? I think he wasn't thinking about the pain. I think he was thinking about the goal, literally the goal line. I think he was thinking about the touchdown, and the pain didn't touch him. And when you and I, when we focus on the goal, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, we don't feel the pain. We don't, we don't, it doesn't bother us in those martyrs as they're being cut and persecuted and burned at the stake. What are they doing? They're singing praises to God. They're praying to the Father. They're witnessing to their persecutors because they're focused on the goal. And the goal is Christ's likeness. The goal is Jesus Christ.
We live in a time where thousands pursue what is called extreme sports. What is that? Extreme sports is an activity with a high degree of risk involving speed, involving height, and a high level of physical exertion. I'm not sure that might be Jeff Buckman skiing down that mountain there. Do you know that of the millions of people that do extreme sports, 400,000 are injured every year. Of the people that do extreme sports, hundreds die every year for participating in that extreme sport. People are willing to die to do that sport. Now keep that in mind as we listen to what Jesus said about following him. Four steps of a true follower of Christ. How to become a follower of Jesus. Deny yourself. That is extreme sacrifice. Extreme sacrifice. Deny yourself means to deny yourself the sinful things of this world, including sinful companions. Drop anything that is in competition with Christ. It means to give yourself wholly to Christ, to become a living sacrifice, Romans 12. We're to be willing to deny ourselves pleasures so that we might gain the likeness of our Savior. Will your personality resemble Christ more this year than it did last year? This does not mean I'll deny myself dessert, I'll deny myself ice cream. No, no, no. To deny myself is to, is to say no to what God says no to. It's to say yes to what God says yes to. It makes pleasing Christ the focus of my life. It means to pray, oh God, oh God, I, I surrender my will to yours. I will do whatever you want me to do. I surrender all. To deny yourself is the first, is the first lesson to become a follower of Christ. Number two, extreme commitment. Jesus said in verse 24, take up your cross. Luke adds, take up your cross daily. Today, the symbol of the cross is a symbol of love and sacrifice. But when Jesus said the word cross, it would have brought to their minds a picture of a criminal dying a violent death. It was so horrible that Roman law forbid a Roman citizen from crucifixion. This is why the Apostle Paul was beheaded and not crucified. Jesus is demanding total commitment from us, even unto physical death. So to become a Christian, you need to be willing to be persecuted even to death. To take up a cross does not mean to carry the, the normal burdens and problems of life. One Christian said, oh, uh, my asthma is the cross I have to bear. No, no, asthma is not your cross. That's just part of being uh, a member of the fallen human race, living in a sin-cursed world. To take up your cross means to be identified with Christ and to patiently bear every persecution, every ridicule that goes with it. Every one of us will face many days where our will is in direct opposition to his will. And like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're, we're given a choice, and our choice is to pray what he prayed. Not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but, but thine be done. Extreme sacrifice, extreme commitment, extreme love. He says, follow me. Why did they follow Jesus? Because of what he said and because of what he did. 
He forgave their sins. Why do we follow him? Look, look up here. Why do we follow him? We follow him for two reasons. We follow him because he was a dead man and he's alive. He was a dead man and he's alive. No other faith, no other religion can claim that their leader died and rose again. That's why we follow him. By his own power, he came back to life. Here's another reason we follow him. He forgave all of our sins. All of our sins. You know, the sins that we will commit in 2021, in 2022, if you're saved, you're already forgiven. The penalty's been paid. And so, we want to follow him. We desire to follow him. That is extreme love. Extreme love. And so, we imitate Jesus. We're to be active, not passive. With an urgent zeal, we follow his footsteps. We dethrone ourselves. We enthrone Christ as king. If you want to follow Christ, if you want to imitate your master, you just got to spend time with him. Spend time in his word. Be faithful in his church. Study him. Uh, change your ways to follow his ways. His ways are not a secret. Here they are. God's revealed them to us in the word of God. Now, why would we do this? Why would we forfeit our pleasure? Why would we forfeit our plans? Why would we forfeit our goals? Why would we forfeit our satisfaction, our comfort? Well, here's why. Because there's an extreme reward. An extreme reward. Why follow Christ? Because of a glorious future of heaven awaits us. This life is so short, it's going to be over before you know it. There are going to be difficult days. There's going to be lots of pain. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know when it's going to end. But when you surrender your life to Christ, He will make wonderful things happen in your life. And so we pray, God, God, what are the things I'm holding on to that I need to let go of? God, what do you want me to surrender in 2020? Is it, is it my stuff keeping me from full surrender to Christ? On the last page there, is it, my, is it my status? Am I so consumed what people think of me that I really can't serve you? I can't get baptized? I, 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 I can't uh, uh, be a witness to you? And I have to ask, God, are, are you worth giving up those things? And then, is it my sin? Am I continually giving in to certain temptations? Even if you are young, a teenager, you think you have years ahead of you, that is nothing but a blink of an eye compared to eternity. And so I, I beg you to surrender all to follow Christ in 2020 for something better, for someone better. Now, I've given uh, a little chart here of the two approaches to life. And you're either in one category or the other. Deny yourself, live for yourself. Take up your cross, ignore the cross. Follow Christ, follow the world. Lose your life for his sake, save your life for your own sake. Forsake the world, gain the world temporarily. Keep your soul Lose your soul forever. Share reward and glory forever. Lose reward. When you follow Christ, he promises. He promises you eternal life. And so this first Sunday of the year, I invite you, I challenge you, I beg you, join me, church family, and let's, let's follow Christ 
in 2020. May we pray. Our Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for the words of Jesus. They are strong words asking for a supreme commitment that Jesus Christ would be the center of our heart and life. I pray now today that if there is anyone that knows not Christ as their Savior, they would receive him. I pray today for any Christian who is following afar off the way Peter did at the arrest. Lord, I pray that we would make a commitment today to give this year to you, to begin a new path, a narrow path to follow Christ. And now with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, you'd say, Pastor Wendell, I, I am a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. I've been born again. I'm not perfect, but I'm a child of God. I know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I remember the time that I chose to receive Christ as my Savior. If you have that confidence, that assurance, you're not ashamed to be identified as a follower of Christ, would you simply raise your hand all over this auditorium? Just hold it up high for a moment. Are you sure? God bless you. You may put your hands down. You'd say, Pastor, I think I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven. Oh, but I have some doubt. Nobody knows, but in my heart, I know I've got doubt. God brought you here today to hear this wonderful message of his gospel. You can believe on him today. You can trust Christ and Christ alone that he died for you and rose again. If you'd like to be saved, if you'd like to deal with those doubts, you can pray with me right now, right where you're seated. You can pray sincerely. You can pray silently from your heart. God will hear the prayer of your heart. Would you like to do that with me now? Anyone at all? I want to get this settled today. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be a genuine follower of Christ. No games. Honest with God. Would you simply raise your hand? I want to get it settled today. I want to make that commitment to follow Jesus Christ, to be born again, the family of God. Just hold your hand up high for a moment. I want to be saved. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you. You put your hand down. Anyone else? I want to make that decision today. The Spirit of God is convicting me of sin, convicting my heart. Like a magnet, you feel the Spirit of God drawing you to the Lord. Would you pray with me right now? My prayer won't save you, but you can pray from your heart sincerely. Pray silently, but it must be earnest. Pray with me now. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. Please come into my heart and become my Lord and Savior. Please save me today. Now, Christian, may I ask you, are you a faithful follower of Jesus? Has the Spirit of God, has the words of Jesus spoken to your heart today about extreme sacrifice, extreme commitment, extreme love? I'm telling you it's worth it for the extreme reward. But the things of this world, the things of your heart are drawing you away from Christ. And today you'd like to make the commitment on this first day, first Sunday of 2020. 
I want God to help me to walk a new path, that narrow path of following Jesus. Would you raise your hand? That's me. God has spoken to my heart. I know there are things that have got to change in my life, change in my attitude, change in my spirit, change in my actions, change in my words. God bless you all over. You may put your hands down. Father, now help each one of us. Help us to take the words of Jesus as they were given very seriously, a call, a call to follow, a call to commit, a, co a call to serve and sacrifice. And yes, a call to love. So God, help us. Help us to love our Savior with all of our hearts. And in doing so, we know we will bless others by your love flowing through us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's all stand together. And as followers of Jesus Christ, let's sing to him now, uh, my Jesus, I love thee. And let's sing it from our heart because we love him because he first loved us.